for this afternoon's worship service was prepared by Pastor Ted Benvolsky while he was serving in Winnipeg Redeemer. And the text for this afternoon's service is the Word of God as it is summarized in Lord's Day 38, which we will now read. What does God require in the Fourth Commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the school teaching be, and that, especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God, hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings to the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Following the reading of the sermon, we will sing in response from Psalm 84, stanzas verses 1 to 5. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, it is a good afternoon. May it be a delight for you. What is delight? Delight is happiness, gladness, joy, and good cheer. Delight is listening to a forest of birds waking up to the sun. Delight is paddling across a still lake as the mist rises. Delight is sunshine, warmth. Delight is many stars looking down upon you. Delight is the sweet conversation of close friends. But the best delight of all is God. The greatest delight anyone will ever know is the delight of a heart that longs for God. He alone can satisfy the longings of our hearts. All other delights will eventually pass away. All other delights have lasting power only inasmuch as they point us this great delight, the Lord God of heaven and earth. Last Sunday, last week Sunday, we heard about the day of God's delight. As much as he loved all six days of creating the world, he delighted even more in the seventh, for he blessed it and made it holy. We concluded that if God had a sacred day in paradise before there was any sin at all, how much more don't we need it today? In a world of sin, he commands it. The Lord Jesus kept it. Through his apostles, by his Holy Spirit, the Lord made Sunday to be the Lord's day. Sunday is the day of resurrection and life, the day of God's delight and ours. However, for some people, this day is a drag. They keep it outwardly only because they have to. They do not know how the words delight and Lord's Day could have any connection. Rest maybe, but not delight. Sunday is a day of rules without any of the usual thrills and fun. Do you delight in your Sunday? If yes, praise the Lord. That is by His grace. God willing, your delight will grow this afternoon. If not, listen carefully. You may come to realize what the problem is. You see, delight in the Lord's day has a direct connection to delight in the Lord, period. He 
you love walking with the Lord? If you do, then his day is delightful. That kind of delight can seem like just a long way off. Other things in life can seem like a whole lot more fun. But don't give up. Use this day to grow in the knowledge of the only one who is worthy of all your delight and joy. The only one who does not disappoint those who pin all their longings on him. Today the Lord aims to delight you so much that you will want to walk with him every day. I declare the good news of the day of the Lord's delight and ours. When we walk with the Lord, then his day is delightful. We will see three things. What makes the Lord's day delightful? How the Lord's day can become a burden? And the delight which the Lord's day, Lord's day anticipates. The first thing that makes the Lord's day delightful is what is remembered on that day. God is remembered. His works of creation and redemption are meditated upon by, and his people rejoice in who he is and what he has done for them. We can rightly say that all the world should keep the Lord's day since God ordained it even before the fall into sin and therefore it applied to the whole world. But then the Lord made special promises to Abraham. He later fulfilled them in part by rescuing Abraham's descendants from slavery in Egypt. He proved by this that they were his own people and then for them he specially repeated his commandment that they should remember the Sabbath day. The Lord said to them, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, God's own people were specifically commanded to keep that day because of his saving work for them. He rescued them from the grips of Pharaoh. Every week they could celebrate that salvation. What would make the Lord's day delightful for them? The very fact that on that day they could stop doing the things of the other six days and focus their attention on the fact that God had redeemed them. On that day they could sing songs of redemption. They could recite and memorize the word of God by which these events were interpreted. They could bring sacrifices of sin and guilt to receive the assurance of their forgiveness. They could offer burnt offerings of thankfulness to him to symbolize their total dedication to him. Plus, every time they could just rest, it proved that they were not slaves anymore. No one was forcing them to pick up their tools and work. They belonged to the Lord their God, and he gave them rest so that they could know him and be energized to walk with him. Truly, the Sabbath was given for the delight of the people of God, their redeeming Lord. Isaiah the prophet spoke of the Sabbath in both of our readings. In the whole setup of the book of Isaiah, the placement of these verses is interesting. Isaiah's prophecies have a certain progression about them. As he comes to the end of the book, he sees the new heavens and the new earth. That is chapter 56. The well-known chapter 52 prophesies the coming of Christ as the one who would bear all our sins and take away all our guilt. 
chapter 54 continues to look ahead to the glory that will come to the church through the Christ. Israel was spread out to the left and to the right. This theme continues in chapter 55, that of a worldwide church of God, growing because of the word of the Lord that accomplishes the purpose God set for it. Chapter 56 speaks of the coming salvation of different groups of people who were excluded from worship in the Old Testament temple, namely foreigners and eunuchs. In this context, we find the promises of God's blessing on those who are faithful in their observance of the Sabbath. Chapter 55 summons all alike to the free banquet, whether Jews or Greeks. 56, 1 through 8, portrays these people, united and equal, all welcome in the house of prayer. These are chapters of delight, chapters from which all who are thirsty can come and drink, and those without money can come and buy and eat. Here, our souls delight in the riches of prayer as we listen to the Lord. Here, Isaiah is looking ahead to when the Lord Jesus would come. Jesus' coming would open the door to all the nations and become a part of the world. They would be counted as the children of Abraham, Galatians 3, verse 29, and they would be citizens with Israel, partners in the covenant of promise, Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Isaiah looks ahead to Christ's time, and he highlights Sabbath-keeping. First, blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds a fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecration. Verse 2. Blessed means happy. That man who keeps the Sabbath will be a happy man, delighting in his God. This was the way that God always intended the day. In the beginning, he blessed the seventh day. When the good would come out of that day due to his blessing, then the people who benefited from it would be happy. Blessed is the man who keeps the Sabbath. Likewise today, happy is the man who keeps the Lord's day, the Sunday, delighted. Second, the Lord promises the eunuch who could not have any children. To the eunuch who keep my Sabbath, who do what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Verses 4 and 5. The eunuch who kept the Sabbath still could not enter the temple in the Old Testament because of the damage to their temple curtains. But through Isaiah, the Lord promises that their names would be written in the book of life. An everlasting name that will not be cut off. Think of what a comfort this was to Daniel and his three friends who very likely were made eunuchs and taken to Babylon, Isaiah 39, verse 7, and Daniel 1, verse 2. They could read this and take courage to maintain the Sabbath, even in a foreign land. So Daniel kept his regular custom of prayer, even when it meant that he was thrown to the lions. The Lord had promised him everlasting life, and so he was a delight to this wonderful God, keeping the Sabbath was something that pleased the Lord, for he says, To the eunuch who keep my Sabbath, who do what pleases me, 
him and the Lord delights in them, then those who walk with him will also delight in him. Third, even the foreigners who would bind themselves to the Lord and serve him and love him and worship him were promised the same place in his temple as the Israelites in their land. But once again, they must keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold fast to the Lord's covenant. Then God's house would be called a house of prayer for all, all nations. The sovereign Lord declared, You gathered the exiles of Israel. I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. All nations will come in. The Lord says that to those who keep his Sabbath, he would give joy in his house of prayer. When would their joy be? It would be on the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath would bring them great delight. That was the promise of the Lord. What then makes the Lord's day delightful? Keeping his days makes it delightful. I am convinced that we will find much the same thing with all the commands of the Lord. They are not burdensome. Rather, says the psalmist in Psalm 119, I delight in your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. Your commands are my delight. Psalm 119, 16, 24, and 143. Keeping his commands makes them delightful. Keeping his day makes it delightful. The concept seems simple, but that is the truth. The Lord says that he will give joy to those who keep the Sabbath. And when Isaiah makes this promise of the Lord, he is looking ahead to the new covenant when foreigners will join Israel in great numbers. He is looking to that day, and he promises that in keeping the Lord's command for this day, God's people will find great joy. We would be delighted. We noted that it is in chapters 56 and 58 that Isaiah singles out Sabbath keeping. And these are the very chapters that follow the prophecy of God's redeeming work through Christ. The proper response of a believer to this great work of salvation is joyfully to walk with his God. That is precisely what makes the Lord's day a delight. When you are walking with the Lord every day, then it is the climax of your week to worship him. That is exactly how we get this started of every week. Worshiping our God makes the day delightful. We cannot delight in him unless we know him. We cannot know him unless we listen to him. We cannot listen to him unless we hear his word. That is what we come here for, to hear him speak, to forgive this to us, to hear him call us into communion with him, to unite together in prayer to him and worship of him. We come here to know him in order that we may delight in him, our God. The past years have seen that fear of legalism has led people to begin their explanation of keeping the Lord's day in a negative way. We don't mean that you just have to sit and read all day like the Puritans. Oh no, it is to be a day of joy. But this answers the question out of fear. We should speak positively. Keep 
the Lord's day is to hear his word, study it, pray, praise him, and do good works for the creation. Not just for the worship service, but outside of it too. Families should spend time worshiping too. It is a day of, for reflection and prayer. The father might pray a longer prayer at the meal time or with the family later in the evening. All kinds of good reading and learning can be done. These are excellent ways to keep the day holy and sacred and indeed to delight in the Lord. These things can be done in such a way that everyone enjoys them. Of course, children need some exercise. That is fine if they need need it to be more attentive for worship. But the positive thing of the day is come near to our God and delight in him. If keeping the Lord's day is what makes it delightful, then how can the Lord's day become a burden? It becomes a burden when you are not keeping it in your heart. It becomes a burden because you are keeping it outwardly, somewhat at least, but not inwardly. There is a clash between what you want to do and what you actually do. You do things, but your heart is not in them. When your heart is somewhere else, eventually you will follow it, unless your heart is changed. For that reason, God, with his word, always pleads for our hearts, first of all. At the same time, God, with his word, regulates how we express our faith. He aims for our hearts, but he also guides our hands and feet. That is why we can press some very practical things, such as that the ministry of the gospel and the school fees be paid. This requires practical support in terms of money, time, and possibly gifts of time. These things belong to walking with the Lord. But if our heart is not in his worship, then these things seem like a great burden. Keeping the Lord's day includes this support. The schools spoken of are, first of all, theological schools, so that men will be trained to preach the gospel. But also included are schools where we teach our children to read and write, know the basic teachings of God's word, and so on. For if we do not have these, how will our children be ready for theological training at a seminary? We need to support these things out of thankfulness to the Lord. These are among our first obligations. We may hesitate, but ultimately the spirit must rule over the flesh and we must trust in the Lord. In Isaiah 58, we read, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, then you will find your joy in the Lord. The same principle is maintained in chapter 58 as in chapter 56. And do not dismiss these as merely old covenant burdens and rules. For one thing, the Lord never gave the Sabbath as a burden, but to be a delight. For another, these words of Isaiah are all about rebuilding Jerusalem. We look forward to Christ as we speak these words too. Throughout chapter 58, he emphasizes the matters of the heart. Justice, righteousness, prayer, love for the poor, 
he includes the Sabbath, it is a matter of the heart, a matter of one's delight in the Lord. It can become a burden only when our hearts are not in it like they should be. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, the things that would make the day a burden are doing as you please. We need to deny our sinful nature in order to express and experience delight in the Lord. We must do what pleases the Lord, and that is exactly what worship is all about. We seek to please the Lord, and that is why we follow a certain order. That is why we observe the Lord in the sacraments, the prayers, and the offerings. The Lord has prescribed these things for the church as the true test of Lord's Day churches will show. It is also possible that today could become a burden if we approach it like the Pharisees did. They turned it into a day of endless rules. The main point for us is to say that the day is special and then to make sure that we use something in our hour-to-hour choices. The Lord Jesus would not have uttered a word against the Pharisees if they had simply and quietly chosen to keep the day for themselves according to their own rules. What made him righteously angry was that they bound the rest of the people with extra rules not found in Scripture. This will indeed make the day a burden, because really, that is just another way of not keeping the day. To keep the day, we must delight in it. To delight in it, we must not work. We do not participate in the activities of the six other days. We also do not take up other pleasures like sports. We do not do all kinds of expensive traveling unless it is emergency. These things don't make the day a delight in the Lord anymore. They do not make it the Lord's day, but they make it man's day. These things make it our day to do what makes our bodies feel good, what gives us longer holidays, or what gives us more time to work and make money also by traveling on Sundays so that we can be back at work on Monday. These things do not belong to keeping the Lord's day, and they also decrease our delight in his day. Our conscience for conscience reminds us that we are shortchanging the Lord. Instead of delighting in him with a clean and good conscience, we turn our focus to the things that belong to the six other days. This is not the Lord's express will. It is wrong. Matthew 12, Jesus taught us that works of necessity like eating and policing and fixing broken furniture need to be done. He also taught that mercy should be shown as when you heal the sick. So today we can use the Lord's Day to help the healed. And finally, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are pilgrims who are on a journey. Pilgrims always travel to holy places. For us, there is only one holy place to which we need to travel, to heaven, the dwelling place of God. But pilgrims usually have a long journey. They need to stop along the way for refreshing springs to drink from. They need refreshing fountains as they go through the Valley of Baca, which is with life tears. Those refreshing fountains well up every Sunday to keep 
talk about that. We make us delight in the Lord as we travel through the desert. We are on our way to the promised land. And that delight should be taste of every member and is meant to make us aim ahead to the future. We must begin our eternal Sabbath to reflect what the Lord gave in the beginning as a day is to be kept until Christ returns. In light of Christ's momentous resurrection, we keep it on the first day of the week. But keep it we must, for it reminds us again and again that an eternal rest awaits us. People delight in many things, but nothing satisfies our hearts fully except the Lord our God. Walking with Him, delighting in Him, and delighting in His days. These things can truly satisfy the human heart, and may they satisfy us. We are looking forward to the city without a temple and without a Sabbath day. It will not have one out of every seven, for there will be no night there. Days will not need to be recorded anymore because they will never end anyway. Besides, the sun will never stop shining. We will behold God's face in all its brilliance, and that will be our light. That light will also be our delight. The dwelling of the Lord for which we long is the heavenly dwelling. Until we get there, we receive the foretaste of dwelling with God when we unite for worship on Sunday. Let us delight to do this, for it will make our walk with Him more and more of a delight. And when we walk with the Lord, then His day will be all the more of a delight. In this way, the one will build on the other, both will continue to grow until Christ comes. The delight He will give us then will make all of this but a pale shadow. Amen. Amen.